All right, welcome to the virtual roundtable, Leadership Lessons Learned, Building a Crisis-Proof Organization, presented by Les Mills. As the world leader in group workouts, Les Mills provides life-changing fitness experiences through live and digital solutions, both inside and outside your club. Visit our virtual booth to discover the ultimate group fitness solutions for your facility. Thank you, Les Mills, for being a part of the 2021 Club Solutions Connect virtual event. All right, Ralph, take it away. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our roundtable. Super pleased to be able to host this with this great group of people. We've got a great, great topic for you and really kind of rounding out, I think, the, uh, the retreat with big picture lessons learned. So, but let's start off with uh, introductions, if we, if we can. Uh, Lori Smith, let's start with you. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Lori Smith. I'm the Senior Vice President for Villa Sport Athletic Clubs and Spas. We have seven locations across four states. They're all high-end, multi-purpose, resort-style clubs. Uh, 2020 was definitely a very challenging year for us, uh, primarily in California and Oregon, where we have been, we were shut down more of 2020 than we were open. Um, but we are on the road to recovery in 2021 and, and looking forward to a much brighter year. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Lori. Cher? Hi, everyone. I'm Cher Harris, and I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm the general manager of the Houstonian Club, and we are a luxury health club, and we serve a um, membership of um, seven zip codes, basically, of the higher echelon of Houston. Uh, we've had among everyone, a challenging 2020, but we are very blessed to live in the state of Texas. So we've been open um, since May 1st and um, able to operate with our members coming back um, more and more every day. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Cher. Christopher, Central Valley. Uh, yeah, Christopher Montoya. I own um, Thrive Business Development, which we own Fit Republic Clubs. Uh, we have 12 locations, uh, all open, two in tents. The rest are indoors. Um, decided to open even when we weren't allowed to. I uh, just thought it was the right thing to do. About 33 years-ish in the industry. Um, but I can tell you the last 12 months, I probably learned the most. So excited to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, this, uh, this COVID situation has definitely been a learning accelerant. For sure, yeah. So Ches, how about you? Yes, um, my name is Ches Misko and I'm one of the owners, um, Chief Operating Officer of the Wisconsin Athletic Club. Uh, we have eight locations in the Metro Milwaukee area in Wisconsin. We've been open since um, June of, of last year. And again, we've uh, continued to uh, fight back and, and deal with, uh, we've had some mask mandates uh, come in place that have made it a little more challenging for us, but we're definitely moving in the right direction. We also do a lot with corporate wellness, uh, on-site fitness centers, things like that as well. So it's my uh, 30th year in the industry. So, Welcome, Chaz. Also started at the very basic level in the clubs. So uh, yeah, good job. And Sean. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sean Turner. I'm the CEO of Les Mills US. Um, being in the industry, Chaz, like, thanks for reminding me. A long time, maybe over 25, 30 years as well, um, and um, held most of those positions that I've held in the industry have actually been on the operator side, uh, similar to chairs from uh, operations, sales and marketing, 
to leading digital transformation for the Home Space Group in Europe. Um, currently based in Chicago uh, at Les Mills. Um, 2020, totally <laughs> um, an accelerant, as Rolf uh, mentioned, um, very interesting. Um, and of course, we've been impacted as everyone else um, as we serve the industry globally. Um, but actually, many learnings out of that, and uh, we've actually weathered the storm pretty well. So, super pumped to be going into 2021 um, and seeing more fruits of our labor and how we better cooperate together as an industry. Yeah, great. And thank you, Sean. Thank you for sponsoring this too. And also, thank you for Les Mills jumped in really early, um, helping clubs with digital and letting us offer something to our membership, like right off the bat. So always really appreciate all your support that you guys do for our industry. So thank you for that. Uh, just a little bit of a more introduction of myself. Um, I'm Ralph Rays. I am the COO at Forma Gym in Walnut Creek and San Jose. We've got two clubs in Northern California. And like Christopher and Lori, we've been dealing with California shutdown. We've been outside since June, except for about three weeks. But um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a crazy year full of, full of opportunities uh, for learning. So uh, it's been good. And I think we're all kind of coming out on the other side of this thing, uh, better, stronger, and faster. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about more today. So let's start with our big, the big question. And Ches, I'm going to start with you. I want to start with the, the, what's the biggest thing you've learned this year that is really just going to change your business? This is the same question for everybody. It's good, but what change is going to change your business going forward? What did you learn? Well, this is a pretty long question. And I mean, we could probably spend the whole, the whole conversation talking about, you know, just this one point. Um, Cause I think when years are really challenging, um, you just have to step up. Um, and I think one of the things that, that I learned was being comfortable, being uncomfortable. You know, there were so many times where you're facing things that you've never had a face before that uh, you had to kind of push yourself to kind of that next level. And so I think that would be one that is, is there. And I think um, that'd be one that's important. Um, focusing on what you can control and what you can't control. Obviously, we all were dealing with, you know, states um, and cities, municipalities that had different rules and regulations. And I think our ability to, you know, focus on what we could do and now what we couldn't do to, to make some changes. And then the last thing I, I bring up is just some things that to me personally that 2020 helped reinforce. And that's the importance of leadership, uh, importance of developing your team, uh, having the right culture. I, I, we didn't have the right leaders. We didn't have the right culture. We didn't have the right um, development. Uh, we would have a lot more challenges getting through 2020. Um, so I think those are just be a few of the things that I think were, were good takeaways for 2020. Yeah, great. Thank you, Chess. Cheryl, over to you. I think what I've learned this year, uh, this past year and this year is to be flexible. Um, I've always been pretty prone to and easy to change um, and pretty flexible, but <laughs> this year's really proved that I wasn't very flexible. <laughs> I, I thought I was. And so um, having the team that we had, I agree with Ches very much. Um, the culture that you build in advance of a pandemic or any type of catastrophe. Uh, we saw um, Hurricane Harvey in 2017, and we thought we were ready for anything after that. Um, but this has been something else. I think growing 
and really concentrating on training and culture and uh, relationships with your team is the most important thing, um, no matter what challenge that you face. And um, just, you know, having um, their back and making sure that you support them. You know, we have a mass mandate down here as well. And I think the support of our team of the front line has been um, imperative because they are, you know, just being abused on a daily basis of people that do want to wear masks and people that don't want to wear masks. And just with all the laws and the different changes and things, um, that flexibility is the most important. Okay, great. And I know you guys just, Harvey hit you all so hard down there. And that was, that was its own little catastrophe. What was that about three years ago? Yes, 2017. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've definitely been through it. Christopher, what have you guys learned? Um, well, I, I certainly learned how strong we were through this. Um, but a couple of things that really stood out for me is one, when we decided to reopen, um, when we weren't allowed to, uh, first thing I did, second thing I did after I called my attorney is I called my leadership group together and said, hey, here's what I'm thinking. How do you guys feel? Um, and then everybody was good. And then we called um, all the clubs to check on our people to go, hey, how do you guys feel about this? Um, and everybody was on board, understood the mission, understood why we were doing it. Um, and in that process, uh, we had to make some tough decisions. And one was we gave all of our employees a raise coming back, uh, had no idea what was going to happen, had no idea on fines and, and how many people would want to use the club and what our draft was going to look like. Um, but I just felt it was the right thing to do for, for our people. Um, so probably the biggest lesson for me is trusting your gut and doing what you think is right to do. And uh, it, it helps with follow through on that, on those decisions. So uh, this year has uh, for sure taught me to step out in faith and trust where we're going and uh, let your people be your people. So that, that's been a big lesson for us. Great. Thank you, Christopher. Lori? I think the fundamental change for us going forward will be around our staffing. Uh, and I'm sure we're you know, everybody's experiencing this, uh, the new lean staffing model, doing, doing more with less. We have a, you know, little theme called hashtag no silos that we're doing more cross-training across all departments than we ever did before. We created a position called the Villa Sport Associate, which actually encompasses 12 different frontline positions in the club. And instead of hiring for food and beverage or hiring for member services, we're hiring for Villa Sport and trying to find more people interested in full-time work and growing with a company interested in working in a variety of departments, as well as cross-training directors. I mean, we eliminated some director positions. Uh, it's necessitated other people learning those departments. Uh, so on the, and those things will never be added back. I mean, this is the new way that we're gonna need to run our clubs um, with an active daily management of labor uh, and a focus on that. It's been the number one thing that helped us get through the last year. Okay, great, great. Sean? Uh, yeah, um, a few people have mentioned um, a few learnings and I guess also for us and myself, um, some validations of 
truth that we held that were never really tested. So I think I would totally second uh, some, some things that the people have said around people being your most valuable asset. Our team has been incredible through this and that's critical um, in the crisis situation as so many know. No. Um, I think the old adage by Drucker around culture eats strategy for breakfast is a big one that I've always believed in, but it's come true more than ever during the crisis. Um, and you know, you can't underestimate uh, organizational culture led by a really strong purpose and core value, how much that influences people's beliefs and behaviors in crisis situations. So that's another big one that's been validated. I think a big one is actually um, how we work smarter. I would say work smarter, not harder, but I'm not sure if that <laughs> became true. Although working remotely, et cetera, it might be that you know we lost touch of how much harder our teams are actually working um, when they're remote. So I think that that's a challenge, but definitely it's amazing what you can do under pressure and how you rethink positions on work, travel, how we use technology and resource. So I think that that's been a real big one for us. And the, the last one I would say is probably around communication and how key it is, especially when you're in a remote environment. Um, we're in an industry that face-to-face -face communication is so important and we all probably do it well, walk around clubs, we've all grown up doing that. Uh, but when you have to lead teams remotely, uh, quite challenging and a lot still to learn there. So I think for us at Les Mills and me personally, those four elements are still going to be things that we we work on um, and continue to work on uh, post-COVID. Okay, great. Thanks. So a lot of talk about uh, people, right, and your teams in those answers. So let's let's go straight to that next question about your people and maybe who you are going to be looking to build your teams with next, right? How are, how are you looking differently at who you're going to hire going forward coming out of this based on what you've learned and a, a, a leaner, a leaner, tougher, more diversified um, workforce? Are you going to be changing who you're going to be hiring? So Lori, let's start with you. Well, as I said, that is exactly what we're doing with the Villa Sport Associate Program. I mean, one of the things I would say about our team is that um, we're very grateful that we retained our full home office leadership team and our uh, all seven general managers through a very challenging year. You know, when many people were asked to step up in a big way to do to take on more than their job description, or you know, to some extent, was our poor GMs who were managing clubs that were closed to do things way below their job description. You know, for seventy hours a week. You know, sometimes because they had no hourly staff. Um, so through all that, I mean, culture helped us get through it. And I think our team appreciates the fact that they had steady employment, you know, when so many others lost jobs and, and that they were, had their full salary when so many other people in, you know, in the country took pay cuts and that they're part of an organization that because of our prior fiscal management and preparation for things like this, because we lived through Hurricane Harvey too, uh, will survive and they're part of an organization that will survive and thrive in the future, even though we were severely wounded in 2020. So um, the main thing we're changing is just looking for people who are uh, interested in a career with a company, dedicated, willing to work multiple departments and, and uh, you know, hashtag no silos. Yeah. 
And Sean, you and I were talking about staff. And so you had some really interesting insights of what you've seen with working with different operators around this, this topic. Yeah, um, of course, we're a global company. So we see a lot of um, shifts in the way people work around the world. Um, obviously, it's been uh, quite an eye-opener this year around the challenges around diversity. And uh, Les Mills, we've really looked at that closely uh, based on where we stand and our responsibility in driving that forward um, as a global company. Um, I think in the industry, we've recognized that we're not as diverse as we could be, and there's a lot of work we could do there uh, worldwide, and um, we're quite active in that space. So I think that's pretty interesting. Also, of course, going back to speaking about culture um, that we touched, that some of us touched on, I think that that's a critical element, um, especially in the area of innovation. Um, our industry sometimes is lagged in that space, but I think there's a mindset around that, and it's important for us as an organization to really drive that mindset so we have a culture of innovation, so to speak, and that's really helped us um, quite a bit through the crisis because of that mindset. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about that before, and I think that's a really interesting point, right? That culture or spirit of, of innovation. And I don't know that in our industry, we have been that innovative in the past. And I think that this has really kind of gave us a nice wake up call that, you know, we've got to, we've got to change some things around and we've got to innovate. And it feels like the, the companies that are willing to, and that have that spirit are going to, are going to thrive going forward. Yeah. All right, Christopher, how about you? You've talked, you talked about, you talked about your teams a little bit, but, you know, going forward, looking at the same kind of model of, of people. Uh, yeah, we're, we're adjusted a little bit. We didn't, we probably didn't revamp like a lot of people did. We probably doubled down on what we were doing, reinvested in, in the team. Um, we educate quite a bit. We, we've done a lot about culture. Um, and I think what helped us is we, we really build a, a culture of, my job is just to assist everybody. I, I can't touch everybody that walks through the door. I really can't make an impact on a club, but I can assist the staff to make an impact um, so I'm constantly asking, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Um, and that's helped us quite a bit because it's given them some empowerment, some control of their facility. Um, it, what's really stood out for me, though, in the message we've been sharing with our staff is as they're watching the news and seeing what's happening out there, um, they're putting two and two together that, you know, we're we're supposed to support our community. And then the news is talking about, you know, all the bad stuff and we're supposed to be giving all the good stuff to people. And they're telling us we're not supposed to be open. Um, so it's been a kind of a rallying cry for, for the team to go, Hey, we're important. We're essential. We should be open. We should be delivering health, wellness, mental health, um, connection, all these things. So the team's kind of gelled together much more, than I could have ever imagined without going through the process we just went through. Um, and, I, and I was just having this conversation the other day, and I even hate even saying it again, is we're much better than we were a year ago as a company, as, as, a, as a group of individuals, our, our culture, um, our focus on delivering the customers. Uh, 
this has helped us become a much better organization and our staff has really stepped up. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that we're, we're down to our staff members who are really in it, right? They're, they're the gamers. They're the ones that are like, they're committed to you and you as your leadership and your company and your community. I mean, that's who's I think in our clubs working right now with us. And that feels great, right? Because those are the people you can lean on. You can get their opinions. They can be innovative. You can give them more latitude for making decisions. And that's, that feels really good. So that is a nice outcome out of this thing. Chez, how about you? No, I agree with what you just said completely. I mean, we've had some you know, people that have left over the last year with COVID, but the ones that are here are just outstanding. And we've always had pretty good teams and, re and really good longevity. We've had people that have been with us for quite a long time and that can, that's continued. Um, we've been just lucky to have that and they've done an outstanding job uh, during COVID. And, and now as we're kind of not totally coming out of it, but as we're seeing people getting vaccinated, yeah, and they kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, their, their energy, their passion, their commitment is just outstanding uh, as, as it relates to that. Um, but we've also done some of the things that, that Lori had talked about uh, earlier with um, kind of having less staff doing a little bit more, uh, less silos, and really connecting the departments uh, together. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're successful, each department kind of kind of runs itself. And, and, and as we kind of had the shutdown and had to relook how we operated our business, it really did allow us to put things together. And, and I think in the long run, as a, as a company, we're going to be far better off because of, again, the, the, the connections that we've created between those team members, the connections that they've had between leadership. Um, we've all gone back to a simple job description. Our job description is to get and retain members. It's that simple. You know, however we need to do that with whatever job it might be. You know, if that means all of a sudden you're filling in for the group fitness instructor today because the person couldn't make it in, um, that's what you have to do. And so um, it's really had that committee, uh, community of, of team and teamwork. And I think our, our clubs will continue to, to benefit from what we've seen over the last year because of that. Yeah, yeah, this certainly has broken down the hierarchy of a org chart, hasn't it? I mean, the org chart went, <laughs> we're, we're all just doing stuff. It doesn't matter, yeah. And Sharon, finish this up. Um, I think, I mean, our ownership has always been really, really um, generous and um, employee mind, central minded, um, you know, and focused on that. And so that as a leadership team, we do as well. And I think that has helped. Uh, we've retained most of our employees through this whole time, um, you know, and what I think Ralph mentioned this at some point. You really see when you go through these type of times what people are made of, and I'm proud to say that I would say 99% of our team has been really awesome, willing to take on any type of tasks, willing to virtually train, willing to, you know, dance in front of a camera or whatever they have to do to get the job done and to provide for our members wherever they're at in the world. Um, in whatever situation to keep us going. So that's been tremendous and really, really great to see. I think, as everyone said, we're better for what's happened this year, even though it's been really, really tough. It has um, created a better community in our club among yeah. our membership and our employees. Yeah, very nice. Well, thank you. And we all thank our staffs for sure for all their contributions this year. All right, so let's 
change topics completely and let's go to let's go to sales. Um, obviously, the lifebloods of our clubs, we've got to do it. It's important. It's been up and down all year for us in different situations. Um, let's talk about some of the things maybe that you're that you've done that have been successful or some of the things that you're changing going forward. Christopher, why don't you kick us off on this one? Yeah, you know, this is, um, I think part of it is what we were just talking about. The, the employees got to hear how important the club was to them and why they walked in the door and they hear these stories of you guys been closed for a few months and here's what it's done to me personally. So when we teach about sales or, or onboarding or, or whatever it's called, we always taught them to understand why the member, why that person walked through the door. Now they got to hear hundreds of stories of what their club meant to them. So it's, it's tied the two sides together because before we didn't have, you'd hear one or two stories of how important their membership was for them. But now it was just thrown on top of them so much information from all these members of what it did to them for not being in the club. So it's really tied the emotional side to the sales so they, they understood it better. So that's helped us considerably to, to walk them through the process of when somebody walks through the door and says, I need to lose weight. What does that really mean? Losing weight gets them to this other answer they want. They're just not telling us, right? Losing weight is a byproduct of, uh, you know, I, I just got divorced and I'm going to start dating again. I don't feel comfortable with how I look, but they just walk in and say, I'm here to lose weight. So um, we're just, you know, diving into that emotional side of the journey of a person and, and talking to them about that through the sales process. And it's, it's, it's been pretty interesting to, to do now compared to before. We didn't change much of the, much of the, the way we, we uh, taught it, but now they have this stories behind it and they get it even more. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, I want to get you in on early on this one. Because I've spent a lot of my life suffering in the sales space, is that why? <laughs> um, well, I'm sure you've seen a lot of a lot of really good things going on. I know you guys have pivoted quite a bit this year. Yeah, look, I, I think as an industry, we've always, you know, my time in the industry, we've always been a pretty aggressive sales, taking pretty aggressive sales approaches. Not all of the clubs, but it, in general, and I think we've pretty we worked pretty hard to you know adopt a more customer centric approach over the last few years, and as we continue and went through COVID, of course, um, that was even more important than ever. So I think it's given us a great opportunity, and also we've seen that globally with some of the clubs that have succeeded to have a way more customer centric approach and learn a lot more and get a better, a deeper understanding of their customer journeys and how that works. Um, and also how they better engage and keep them active. So I think that that's served us well during COVID and the clubs that have succeeded, um, that's also served them well. Um, for us as an organization as Les Mills, we'll continue to focus that, but also we've looked at how we optimize our sales efforts because being based in the US, our geography is very vast compared to some of our uh, colleagues. For example, the UK where it's pretty saturated, compact. Um, so we're looking at how we do that without as much travel, for example. So that, 
that's one of the things in our minds that's different from how an average club would would do sales where point of sales in the club but i'm guessing there's also a lot being done and what we're seeing globally is how they sell online and drive virtual sales as well okay great Share you guys are in a unique situation with your with your sales, with your pricing and your your product. Um, yeah, so we're at higher price point, similar to a country club, um, but we don't have golf. Uh, we do have tennis though, and I think what changed for us is right in the beginning, uh, when we first shut down, we gave our members three options. <clears throat> to pay 50% during the shutdown, uh, to pay full dues, and to inactivate. So we had about 11% um, inactivate during that time. And our sales team became basically retention people, um, more so than ever before. And, you know, typically we have the operators um, concentrate on the retention part and not the sales team, but they went into action and started contacting people. They're still contacting people as the vaccines become available. Now people are starting to reactivate. You know, we have a average age of about 54 in the club. So we're an older membership. And so that's been really difficult. Uh, so that sales cycle is completely flipped to retention. Uh, we are just beginning to really be aggressive with sales again um, now in January, you know, this past January and, and now, but really it's just been retention. Okay, great. Jess, have you guys changed anything sales-wise? Yeah, there's been a few things. I think, you know, we've kind of switched the focus a little bit to really making sure people feel comfortable coming back to the club. You know, we've always, I think, done a good job onboarding the members, but it, it's just, you know, how do you really make people feel safe when they come back to the club and, and have that positive experience, you know, and, and how do we customize it to whether they're a fitness member, or they're a tennis member, or whatever it might be. So I think that's something that, that, that has to be evolved and, and we're expecting that to be an ongoing thing as people more and more people get vaccinated and they come back there's still going to be a lot of uncertainty um, and safety that I think we have to make sure we're really conveying to people uh, and again communication I think has, has changed our sales people's responsibilities with communication and how to communicate effectively with members and, and guests and, and prospective members I think um, one of the things that um, is out there is that really going back to basics to some extent with our sales processes you know before COVID I mean we our industry was, you know, pretty hot in the standpoint of that our salespeople probably were a little more partaking than they were truly sales in the standpoint of prospecting and, and connecting with people. And so really going back to those fundamentals of sales in the standpoint of training people on how to build rapport, how to connect with people, how to, how to make sure that we truly are integrating them and, and taking them through the steps of that onboarding process correctly. Uh, one of the other things we've done is we've gone to more frequent closeouts so that we can kind of motivate our staff uh, a little more frequently. So instead of it being a once a month kind of closeout, now we've gone to two, three, sometimes even four closeouts throughout the month, which again, kind of reminds me back to 20, 25 years ago, kind of how, how we did sales, but it's kind of like in a lot of ways, we're starting up as a new business and a new industry to some extent. So I think we have to kind of relook some things, but then also how do we use technology? How do we use some of the things that are, are new? So we've also added 
you know, a variety of technology type things to help make people um, have a better experience in our club, whether that's videos or whether that's the ability for them to sign documents or even train outside of our clubs um, and doing that virtually or online. So it's a good mixture of kind of new and old and <laughs> put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Setting sales goals has certainly been challenging these last few months, trying to figure that out. Lori, what about you guys? Um, well, uh, a couple of things. We, we've, we've been doing online sales for a while, um, but I will admit our it was a bit clunky on our website. So we took this opportunity to upgrade and refine that and make it a much easier, smoother experience. And then also start to play with using that online join platform to sell additional services. Because um, you know, even when our even when a member joins in the club, it's it's an online join. We do it through the website, and a lot of people will tour the club, but then go home and join online. So we're not in front of them to actually pitch things. So we need to do a better job of of offering up, you know, like Amazon does. People who bought this also like this. Um, so we're we're doing a little bit uh, more of that. Um, we're cross-training more people like, in, you know, for the January sales, we had right-sized our sales teams, but we knew we needed more people for January. So we invited and trained other individuals in the club. Hey, do you want some more hours during January? Uh, you can help, you can be an ambassador and we'll give you the tools uh, to do that. And so then once the sort of January rush is over, we can go back to our right-sized staff and we'll continue to do that through the summer selling season and so forth, just being more flexible. Have any of you um, changed pricing at all in this time? Um, we you tried something uh, that we would have never probably considered before. In one of our clubs, we're testing a off-peak membership. So mm -hmm. you can come be Monday through Friday between 10, 10.30 to 2.30, I think you can check in, uh, and any time on Sunday. And it's for a significantly less dues than a regular membership, but it's the time of day that our club's dead, dead, dead. And uh, it's actually, it hasn't been a home run, but it's actually been very successful and, and accretive. Like it would, it's definitely people who wouldn't have joined our club otherwise for that. So once we prove that, we're gonna probably look at our other clubs and if the same vacuum exists in that middle of the day, uh, we'll look at doing something similar. Yeah, nice. Anyone else do anything with pricing? Um, we, we've seen clubs um, across the world also create new tiers, new tiers of pricing um, and also um, new options, um, predominantly digital. So blending digital and live um, in an effort to either engage people while they're outside the club, similar to what uh, Sherry's speaking about, to retain them but also to allow them to continue being engaged with the club and get them back into membership once they come back with that change in at home and in club. So we've seen that done quite successfully in a lot of clubs. Um, also, of course, like in the US and other countries, there's been elements of freezing, um, discounting sometimes uh, to support their members while they're not in the club um, as well. So changes in tiers and changes in membership options once the digital has come into effect and be more. Yeah. Yeah, we've played around with uh, a 60-day membership. Didn't think I would ever do that. But uh, yeah, so bundling you know, a little membership fee in 60 days, um, almost as a long-term trial. 
So we're doing it as an experiment. Um, didn't sell a lot last month, but you know, a dozen or so that people, like you said, Lori, probably wouldn't have signed up anyways. Nice thing is, is that when they're done, I'm not stuck with them forever. You know, they can, we, they just expire out. But yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity to try some, some different things and see if played around with uh, by six months, get one month free as sort of a 20% discount kind of a, kind of a thing. At one of our clubs, we did get quite a few people that signed up because we have the outdoor space and they will, we're anticipating they may scatter again when their clubs open. So looking to see if we can create a little bit of an opportunity to bridge that time. So, I mean, the nice thing is that there's an opportunity to experiment with some different things here. So anything else, anybody else add on that? Another interesting thing maybe Ralph, um, yeah. is, you know, in Europe, um, it's been happening for a while, but a lot of the uh, more competitive clubs move to um, billing weekly, um, which was quite a smart move back in the day. In the US, there are clubs that are starting to do that as well. Scary for some traditional clubs, but um, as well has worked very well for some clubs in that space. And actually, um, it has kind of worked in favor of the customer in a way that they feel that it's more customer centric um, with other, in, you know, to compare that to other industries. But I can understand how that could be challenging as well um, in different levels of clubs. Yeah. And, and I think that's the great thing about this time, right? It's like all those ideas that maybe you thought, oh my God, I'd never do that. I'm like, hmm, wait a minute, let me, let me think that through, right? And there's probably a safe way to experiment with it, even to take a group of people and see, see how it, you know, does it affect your attrition? Um, you know, are they easier? Do they like you better, right? And all those types of things that you can experiment with, which is kind of interesting. All right, great. Well, let's keep moving. Um, I want to talk about next, I want to talk about member communication. Right, because communication. This has probably been the most, you know, the most we've ever communicated with our members and staff is in this period of time. So, I want to talk about maybe some of the things you've you've done, and then what you're going to carry forward as kind of a best practice for yourself once we once we come out of this. So, Sharon, let's start with you on this one and see what you get. I think with member communication, we found that what was most successful is constant, <laughs> at least one um, communication weekly with the membership during shutdown uh, was imperative to tell members what we were doing to reopen. So we always use the communication um, in the verbiage, we are doing this to reopen. So it was a positive, it was not like we're doing this while we're shut down or so we tried to keep that communication um, positive and then when we reopened then we continued to do that um, multiple communication um, weekly and then we've kind of staggered it um, now we do it monthly on just the initiatives for safety that we continue to do we communicated via social media um, website, you know, all the communication channels, just everything we could think of, um, even via letter, mail, <laughs> initially, because that's crazy. Members, <laughs> yeah, <Wow. I> mean, <laughs> we just, we knew that we needed to communicate with a lot of our members who are not, don't have email, we don't have any communication with them, 
except by mail. So we did that as well. Yeah, great. Thank you. Jez? Well, yeah, member communication is, is always challenging. Just a few things that I guess I would say as some takeaways are just you know, explaining kind of the why behind the what. And I think Cher kind of mentioned that a little bit, but just here's really why we're doing what we're doing. And I think that's super important to make sure your team knows that. Because a lot of times there's so many things that we were changing. I mean, there was, there was days or weeks or months when things were happening so fast that you're trying to communicate a lot of information to a lot of people and, and really making sure your team understands that. So when the member comes to them, you know, it's, it's easy for them to call me and, and, and have a conversation about an issue and I can explain everything to them. But our frontline, front desk person, a group fitness instructor after a class, that, that making sure that really everybody on your team is clear on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and then how to effectively communicate that to, to, the, to the people, I think is, is super important. Um, congruency between what we say and what we do. I mean, we have to make sure that our actions reflect that because then people don't trust you if they feel like you've said you were going to enforce this, but then you didn't. Uh, and so really making sure that, again, that message isn't clouded by, you know, actions being different than what the words are. Um, I don't know if it's funny or not, but just you have to be a really good listener. I mean, I, I, I've had to sit on so many phone calls with members hearing their political story, their this, their that, their whole, their whole life story to some extent and about a complaint or concern. And so really making sure that you're being a good listener and, and training your team how to do that, because right away we want to solve problems. And I think for a lot of people that are in our clubs, they just want to make sure that they know that their opinion or their thoughts, or their ideas have been heard. Um, and, and I think that's something that sometimes is really hard for, again, a lot of frontline staff because they're right away communicating, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it. But you know, at the same time, you also have to make sure you're hearing what they have to say, again, kind of seek to understand for uh, changing that. And then make sure you're, you're telling the truth, you know, I mean, and I know that sounds so simple, but you know, here's you know, here's the, here's the reality of that situation. Being very honest, um, don't overpromise, um, and just make sure that uh, you, you know, you're doing your best to connect with uh, people and make sure that you're understanding their perspectives on the situation. Because I think that helps when you're communicating with them if you understand kind of what they're thinking um, before you try to answer or respond to a, a question or, or an issue that they might have. So that's just a few things that I think we've learned, you know, through this <laughs> pandemic that have been helpful. Yeah, no, that's great. Christopher, you mentioned in the intro that you stayed open through um, through some of the different times where maybe other people didn't in the community. So I'm, I think your communication insights will be interesting on this one. Well, we didn't stay open. We closed uh, the first time. So we had that first 30, 60, 90, whatever it turned out to be. Then we, then we had to close again. And then when I decided about two weeks into that, um, we can't just sit down and let the government kind of dictate our future. Um, and if I was gonna have problems, I'm gonna have problems fighting, right? So um, we reopened, we sent out emails, we sent out texts, we had a ton of communication with our team, I mean, excuse me, our members. And on everything, there was an email that the member base could send in and during some of our closure time i mean there were there are days we'd walk in the door and there's 500 emails and the entire office would be answering emails there are five or six people just trying to we try to get back to everybody in 24 hours that was our goal um so that built a lot of credibility with our member base and i i don't know how many refund checks i signed or return on credit cards um and we also would credit their account but we handled the members um, all the time as fast as we could. So that was 
our, our teams did a heck of a job doing that. Um, but the one thing we did do is uh, normally I try to stay quiet in the background and it's nice to go into a club and they don't know who you are and just kind of walk around. Uh, but I had to actually get on TV. I had to do interviews. Um, I did, I did um, Facebook and Instagram videos to kind of talk to the member base and the community. And we just kept the mantra of, hey, we believe that we should be open. Um, we never talked about any of the negative stuff. We didn't get into the political side. Um, we just kind of kept saying, hey, here's why we should be open. And, uh, you know, Stanford was great. A lot of these different schools had these great reports of what was happening to people during the shutdown, the isolation and all that. So I, that's where I stuck to on our story side. Um, but our, our biggest thing was how fast we can return communication to our members. And okay. we, uh, that, was our, that was probably one of the things I'm proudest of is how well we did that, even though it wasn't very fun. All right, great. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that, Lori. Um, my notes are pretty similar to what's been said. You know, keep it regular, but don't bombard them. Uh, keep it bite-sized because no one has time to read a book from you. Keep it relevant so you're not wasting anyone's time. Make it fun where appropriate, like we're still in the business of fun. And be open to, and transparent. And one of the things that we decided to do early on, all the way back in July, was we sent month we started sending monthly emails to our members telling them our exact COVID case statistics in terms of positive cases by members and employees um, company wide for all seven clubs as well as for their individual club and then letting them know our incidence rate of cases per visit which was has been in the point zero 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 range you know this entire time just with an emphasis on thanking people, in fact, to both frozen and active members, but thanking people for following all our special COVID protocols and proving that our clubs were a very safe place to stay fit and healthy during this pandemic. Uh, and, you know, 90% of the responses were very positive and thankful. My name was on all those emails, but I did get a few lectures from people uh, schooling me on how dumb I was to not realize this whole thing was a hoax or, you know, things like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then we created on our website a whole section called the Villa Sports Standard where we kept updated with all our current protocols as the governments would change things and we could open this or we couldn't open that. And so there was one place on the website where members and our own team could go to know they were getting the most up-to-date information. Great, thanks, Lori. Sean? Um, yeah, I think that everyone's covered in um, most of the elements. I mean, for me as a consumer, I could speak from that. You know, I was <laughs> really interested in itching to get back in the club. I'm fortunate to be a member of uh, Midtown in Chicago, um, and they did really great video um, on their safety standards, et cetera, that made members feel really uh, confident about going back. Um, so that I thought was uh, uh, really good. And Steve uh, Schwartz and his team did a great job there. Um, I also think that I've seen a lot of clubs actually also had uh, occupancy stats uh, in real time. Again, that could be controversial in some clubs so either way. Uh, but I think that it gives the member a real transparent feedback about where they are and, and uh, gives them an insight into the safety and how busy it is and what they're doing. 
So I thought those two things from a consumer perspective were valuable. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think for for us, you know, going forward, understanding that just straight talk to the members is is 100% the best. Um, you know, I've learned that, yeah, me taking a lot of those the emails and stuff like you were talking about, Christopher, and a lot of you guys said, I mean, it just gives you such great insight into what the members are thinking. And, and you know, I think in the past, I would have thought, you know, that staff could handle that, but it was really valuable getting getting through all those things. So, I mean, that's a practice I'll carry forward, you know, in, as we as we move on. So we're getting we're getting short on time here. So it's about time we got to wrap it up. So I want to do that with your uh, your pearls of wisdom to kind of close this close this out. So Sean is our sponsor. If I could if I could start with you and uh, what would you like to leave everybody with? I think going back to some of the learnings, um, you know, my two big things really were, you know, keep investing in your people and your culture. Um, I think that that's really important to get you through crisis times and to drive a successful and sustainable business. Um, and I think digital infrastructure coming from that background is super important and, and really, but it's really only a tool that supports this. But, you know, your, your business is nothing without your people and your culture. So um, that's what I would leave people with, I guess. Great. Thank you. Chez? Um, I think just from a final thought standpoint, um, I think the importance of a positive attitude, I know that sounds so simple, but it was challenging. I mean, I, I found myself many times last year struggling with, you know, what was going on and just trying to stay positive. And um, it just, it, it, things in life, I think, make you either bitter or they make you better. And, and I think because of what we dealt with last year, I think as an organization, as an individual leader myself, and then as an um, industry, I think we do have an opportunity to really get better because of that experience. And I just want to share this, this quote that I saw, and I sent this out to a lot of our management team, is just that, you know, kind of plot twist, 2020 has actually been the best year of your life. You've faced challenges after challenges, you've adopted, and you've overcome. 2020 has forced you to grow exponentially. Don't take that for granted. And so I think, you know, it goes back to, you know, we can look at this as a, as a negative and again, I'm, I know everybody on this call is glad 2020 is over and we can move on and, and, and be done with that. But there was a lot of real positive things that I think will help us and help our industry grow. Um, and, and we realized, I think, that there's some work we have to do from a standpoint of lobbying, from a standpoint of where our industry stands, from some of our, um, where we fit into the medical continuum, that, that we can use the future to try to change some of that so that if another situation like this occurs, that we can be prepared and ready. Because it's not just how you handle a situation, it's what you learn from what you can to move forward to enhance not only just our individual operations, but also our whole industry as a whole. So I think um, those would be kind of my, my final thoughts. And just in closing, just, uh, I just want to also really reach out and thank my team, uh, the leadership team that I have at WAC and just all the WAC employees. They just were so amazing um, getting through, you know, the last uh, year or so. So it just uh, it was really awesome to see and made me really proud of all the different things they've done to, to help us through this difficult time. So that's what Thanks, I Thanks, Jess. Share. Um, yes, definitely. I'd like to thank our team here at the club, as well as our ownership, you know, everyone involved, our members, of course. Um, everyone's kind of ridden the wave of COVID uh, this year and continuing to ride the wave. I completely agree with Sean. Um, people, you know, your employees are your best asset. We've always said that, but uh, it's really been true this year. 
um, and will continue to be, be so um, in training and um, giving them the benefits that they deserve. Um, you know, keeping them working has been really important to us and our ownership. Um, digital reservations online, um, figuring out how to do things outdoors. You know, we will never be as <laughs> good at that as we are now. Um, and just getting better every day. And that is just gonna continue to be part of our industry now. And we've been forced um, into it, but I think it's a great thing. You know, our members, as well as our future members consume us in different ways than they ever have before. And I think we're all better for it. Um, you know, our, I think all of us got into this industry because we love um, making people healthy. And I think we'll never forget um, how big and how beneficial we are in the future. Thank you, Chair. Christopher? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think for me, um, final thought would be uh, we have a long way to go as an industry um, to, uh, for people to see what we really do. And we need to do a better job educating that in our communities and to the state and to the government that uh, we're not, um, you know, a place where sweaty, it's a sweaty meat market, dark, no airflow facilities. Um, and uh, I, I think that for me, I, I'm going to put a lot of effort into that, the education piece um, outwardly in the community. Um, and two, um, just making sure we love on our people. I mean, uh, our people are our biggest assets and looking back through 2020, you know, just how many people stepped up their team that cared and uh, they showed up um, at different locations that weren't even theirs to help their teammates, uh, you know, prepare to open or, uh, or mop or paint or whatever it may be. Um, our people just really stepped up and did um, some amazing stuff in the past 20 years and to make them understand how important they are to us and how much we care about them and appreciate them um, going forward, I think is huge for me. And then uh, the last point would be, uh, we, we got really good at communication in 2020 um, and not let that slip again, because I think there is a ton of value going forward, even if there isn't COVID updates and all the stuff going on. I think that communication line needs to stay open and active. So those are yeah. the three takeaways for me. Great. And Lori. All right. Well, uh, I guess my final piece of advice would be, you know, when a crisis hits and things are swirling all around you and you don't have all the answers and nor does anyone else, the best tools in your arsenal are calmness, perspective, a can-do attitude, your core values, humility, flexibility, positivity, and a great team around you, which I am echoing what everyone else said. And I also would like to thank uh, the whole team at Villa Sport for everything they did during the year. Uh, and the important note on this is for everyone, don't wait until a crisis to hone these skills. These are the skills that are important in any environment. Great. Well, in the spirit of gratitude, I would like to express my gratitude to all of you for participating in this and sharing your insights. Um, and there's a lot to a lot to learn, a lot more to be learned. I mean, the one thing that I heard in a, in a podcast that really stuck with me is that 
if we change our framework from things are done to me to things are done for me, it gives us that spirit of learning, right? So if this was done for us, well, what are the outcomes? And you guys have expressed all those outcomes very well of how we're just going to be bigger and stronger and better going forward because of this. So thank you all for sharing that. And uh, Rachel, I'll turn it back over to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. That was a, a really amazing discussion on uh, lessons learned. Um, attendees, please be sure to join us on the live Q&A tab in just a few minutes to ask all your questions to our roundtable panelists.